If you're a small business owner looking to grow or expand your business, check out OnDeck Business Loans. OnDeck offers business loans online from $5,000 to $500,000, and their simple application process only takes 10 minutes. Unlike banks, they'll give you a decision quickly, and funding is as fast as one day. Get a free consultation with an OnDeck loan advisor. Visit OnDeck.com podcast. This is the Customer Equity Accelerator. If you are a marketing executive who wants to deliver bottom line impact by identifying and connecting with revenue generating customers, then this is the show for you. I'm your host, Allison Hartsoe, CEO of Ambition Data. Each week, I bring you the leaders behind the customer-centric revolution who share their expert advice. Are you ready to accelerate? Then let's go. Welcome everyone. Today's show is about customer data platforms, often called CDPs, and which CDP is right for you, for your company. To help me discuss this topic today is Jimmy Lee. Jimmy is a partner at Valence MI, which is a marketing integration company. And I don't often invite, as, as you know, if you listen to this show, I don't often invite services companies or vendors to my show unless I think they have something really interesting to say. And Jimmy definitely meets that criteria. So Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hi, Allison. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into this topic of CDPs? Sure. Um, My background is primarily, I would say, marketing technology. I pretty much spent my entire career working on marketing content engagement systems, B2C commerce technology, and really how to utilize data system to better understand consumers, uh, generate insights, and turn that insight into better customer experience. And I started off building a uh, global online marketing system for GE Capital. Uh, it's about marketing automation, lead generation, those kind of things. And after that, I moved to the beauty cosmetic industry, uh, working for a company called L'Oreal. And I built their uh, multi-brand global e-commerce platform that really helped driving the customer engagement and increase the revenue quite significantly for them. And that experience really helped me to realize how important data is and is crucial to have a data-driven mindset. So then I also launched e-commerce platform for Coach, uh, which is now Tapestry Group that owns Casebait and Stewart Wasteman. I did a lot of work for News Corp doing things like Customer Data Lake, CDP, and some other data products. And now I'm a partner, a co-founder of marketing technology consultancy uh, called Valence Marketing Infrastructure. Now, I think it's so interesting that you've been hitting um, this MarTech evolution. You've been coming right alongside it. So from the very beginning of global online marketing systems at GE and then moving along with the e-commerce platform and then the data lake at News Corp, you've basically seen a lot of evolution of technology. Would that be fair? Oh, exactly. That's kind of my career. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not exactly something we study in college, but it certainly becomes useful as we as we uh, get into our careers and we see the whole industry evolve around us, right? 
<laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, let's talk about CDPs. Why CDP and not CRM? So customer data platform versus customer relationship management tool. You know, a lot of customer data is already in my CRM maybe. What's the difference? Why should I think about any other tool if I already have a CRM? Um, that's a great question. And I actually get a lot of those questions from our clients. Um, I think there are a few key differences. Um, number one, I think fundamentally they store very different types of data. So a traditional CRM system, they store um, customer demographic information, shopping history, sales order info, some of the preferences maybe. But what a CDP stores, I think, is much more rich than that. So the idea is to collect everything related to that customer to form a 360 uh, single customer view across all the touch points, uh, things like browsing history, social activities, location information, behavior data, and their engagement across online or in-store or even you know the interaction they have with customer service. So a mountain richness of data is is just not comparable. Mm. So and in addition to first all those first party data, some CDP can also ingest I would say second party data from your partners or sister business, or some even can do third party anonymous data integration. So it's really powerful compared to CRM. And also CRM system, I think, is originally were built as a B2B tool or technology and just to accommodate B2C use cases. But um, it's more of a for reporting purposes and it has tools to automate the customer interactions. But for CDP, they are built more for companies to have a, um, I would say, a holistic view of the customers and provide real-time actions. So from a technology standpoint, they use very different components. Mm -hmm. So for example, some CDP provide real-time personalization capabilities, and that requires data streaming technology, which collect and process the data in real time. So we're talking about a much faster response speed and much larger data set as well. And when you say a larger data set, could you give someone a relatable example of how large the data is in that a CDP might handle versus what a CRM is built to handle? What's the magnitude of difference? I would say in terms of the storage requirement and processing power is probably somewhere between the range of 1 to 10 to 1 to 50. So I used to work for L'Oreal and News Corp. For those two companies, the CRM data is much less than the CDP or consumer data lake information. So the ratio is, I would say, 1 to 20 uh, on average. Wow, that's a lot. That's a, that's, yep. that's a lot of volume. I saw an example at one point, and this was years ago, we were talking about big data. How big is big data? And the example said, if you think about a set of books on a shelf 30 feet long and all of the text that's in those books, that that is basically what you would put on a CD. If you think about 
an office building filled floor to ceiling with filing cabinets with the same kind of text volume. That would be the equivalent of what a CRM could handle. But then the third layer was if you think about a city block filled with office buildings, filled with the same kind of four drawer filing cabinets, filled with text, that step up was more of what we were thinking about with big data. And so when you think about big data, the volume is so different than what you might have with a traditional CRM. Do you agree with that context? Is that kind of in the same one to 20 ballpark? Definitely. I'm a technology guy, so sometimes I use numbers a lot, but your example is much better than that. <laughs> well, I wish I could claim credit for it. Somebody else had the creativity to put that together. <laughs> <laughs> but along those lines, it makes me wonder if the traditional CRM vendors are positioning themselves as CDPs. It's an interesting point, right? One of the examples I think I can give is Oracle. So Oracle recently launched a CDP product called CX Unity. I think it stands for Customer Experience Unity Platform. Mm -hmm. So it's not a CDP in the traditional sense. So it's a platform that they position as a customer profile and customer intelligence platform. So they pretty much just use it as a brain to Mm -hmm. interact with the other customer touch point or other engagement system that the customer already have. And it's not a direct replacement for CRM, DMP, or any of their existing data solutions. Uh, it's just something in addition. And I think that's represent the way of how large companies or large vendors is ready to tap into the space. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So let's switch back to, you know, not so much the traditional CRMs, but back to the CDPs. There must be, I don't know, somewhere between 20 and 100. And literally, I think every day I hear another CDP vendor coming out. You know, how do we define what a CDP is and maybe the different flavors of CDPs? Sure. And you're absolutely right that the CDP space is rather chaotic right now. And everybody have their own definition (laughs) It's really difficult to provide a universal definition. But um, at least for my personal experience, I think a CDP is really a data solution that integrates consumer data from multiple siloed data sources and group them into one centralized, efficient platform. And also creating a single view of a consumer, which then can be leveraged across multiple analytical system, reporting system, or transactional system, or for data activation purposes. But the foundation is really the data repository and the unification and identification of data to form that single customer view. And I would say everything else is just a different flavor, different add-on on top of that. So in terms of uh, flavors, I think they come from different, I would say, history or background, right? So I think there are five major categories. Number one is tech managers. So they focus on identification and unification. So one of the examples is Telian. So they came from, they're a traditional tech managing system and also in Cyton. So naturally, they're very good at identify the customer and unify the customer profile. 
which is really important. Mm -hmm. But what they lack is probably the personalization or the integrated marketing campaign management capabilities, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So the second piece or second type is data integrators. So they're really good at ingesting the data and process the data. And usually they work with large enterprises to process their data. And their focus is data quality, the reliability, and also focus on compliance security requirement. So vendors such as, I would say, Informatica, Treasure Data, there were a few examples of this category. Uh, The third one I think is personalization. Make product content recommendations and for the right moment to the consumer. So a few examples will be, let's say, average, rich and relevance, NG data, even M particles. Those are the vendors that were really doing well in this space. And the fourth one is marketing automations. So Lydix, Castora, HubSpot. I think there's appeal for certain companies to integrate those marketing automations or campaign management capabilities as part of the single view, right? So when you see data in the reporting system, you can act on it right away. So that's also powerful. And the fifth one, I think, is, of course, we talk about the traditional CRM vendors, uh, vendors such as Oracle. I believe SAP will come into this space Uh, even Microsoft and some other very well-known big players who will enter the space in the near future. Because of their ability to understand the customer across a large data set, do you think as part of the traditional, and and they're not CRM vendors, but do you think there's an interesting angle for a, a Facebook, an Amazon, a Google to enter this space? So a CDP really, I would say, for Facebook, for example, right? Facebook basically have their own word garden, right? So the way that Facebook share their information, they don't give you the PII customer data. A lot of the customer demographic data is anonymous, right? Mm-hmm. So they allow you to personalize the experience on the Facebook platform. So the, the way to use their data is very different compared to using your own first-party data or second-party data on your own system or on your own web properties, right? So I think in a way they are already in the space, but they're not really competing directly with the existing CDP vendors. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Let's think for a minute about the tech underneath these vendors or these five different flavors. I'm wondering, in order to run personalization, it seems like the tech spec underneath is dramatically different than what it might be to simply unify data. And does that then mean that certain categories of CDPs will have a difficult time extending into other categories? I think personalization is a category that all the CDP company are trying to get into, or at least they're trying to provide certain level of personalization capabilities. So if you think about it, The reason why we need to understand and have a single customer view about the consumer information is we want to act on the data, act on the insights, right? 
And personalization is probably one of the biggest use case for this purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's why I do see that these capabilities will remain the top two capabilities for a CDP platform. And number one, of course, is you need to provide a data repository and unification, ensure the data quality. And the second step is how do you use that data? How do you make it actionable? For a lot of retailers, a lot of company, uh, personalization is the answer. I always think, though, personalization as a bit of a range. You know, there's personalization as in I can customize an email and put your name on it and maybe suggest some products. And then there's customization that is almost fluid, trigger-based, very contextual for the right time, almost AI-driven, where it's trying to process so much information, so much context very quickly in order to send the information back out. I think there's a big range in personalization. If you agree, then would that mean that certain vendors have to be really well positioned in the horsepower underneath or the hardware underneath if you're going to stay with them for a long time? I definitely think so. I think there are two perspectives to it. Number one is really how advanced or how mature the vendor is within certain industry uh, in terms of algorithms, in terms of data science abilities, right? So how do they process and understand and turn that data into action is very important capability. The other one, I would say, is the ability to integrate, right? So when you personalize, you're not only just come up with these insights or suggestions, you actually have to integrate with all those engagement systems and tell those systems, whether it's a website, mobile, or in-store system, what to do, what content to show, what actions, what kind of offers that you can give to the user. Those requires a level of maturity or technical competence at the infrastructure, at the core technology level. So when you select a CDP vendor and look at their personalization capability, their tech stack is also a very important factor to consider. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the companies with regard to what might be right for me. So let's say I'm a small company with limited resources. Maybe I'm a fast-moving retailer and you know my number one concern is getting product out the door and getting lift on my sales and I'm growing like gangbusters, but I don't have a team of a thousand people and I certainly don't have a deep tech team. What kind of CDP would be right for me in that scenario? Sure. I think this question actually aligns very well with the customer maturity model that you previously mentioned on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I think let's take that approach and probably this can help structure the discussion a little bit better. So let's say the customer is in the listen stage of the maturity curve. So most of the company in this stage their focus should be building that data repository and ensuring that they have a single customer view. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies have limited resources, maybe for, in the case of a smaller retailer that you mentioned, they don't have a ton of data, but they may have something to store the customer data. All they need to do is they need another layer on top of their existing infrastructure, and that could be uh, Amazon AWS, or it could be Teradata, or any kind of uh, data system that they have. So another layer to basically provide that unification and processing to form that single customer view. And uh, of course, by using a CDP vendor, 
there are some trade-offs. So a CDP vendor, they have their proprietary cloud where their entire system is in the cloud, right? So there are privacy concerns, security concerns. And in fact, you know, if you look at the industry, a lot of CDP vendors, their customers are smaller to mid-sized companies. And a lot of large corporations actually have concerns about compliance, security, and the transparency of how the process and technology works. So I would say for smaller business with limited resources, but really fast growing, they can definitely go with the CDP solution that can greatly accelerate that process. So if you think about it, a CDP solution can not only bring you the data repository, the unification of data, but it also combines personalization, some level of automation capabilities. And the reason why it's good for smaller retailers or smaller companies is smaller companies tend to use some off-the-shelf solution. They don't customize it that much, and that makes it very easy for the out-of-box integration with some of the major CDP solutions. Mm-hmm. So that means quicker time to market and less cost to implement. For a large corporation, I would say, if they haven't already moved from a product-centric mindset to customer-centric mindset, and that means from a data structure perspective, they're not transitioned yet. Mm-hmm. They definitely need to start doing that because it takes time for large corporations and it's a journey to get there. What they can do is they can focus on very specific use cases. So let's say if they want personalization for their content management system, for their website, e-commerce, they can choose a vendor that is very strong in that area. Or if they want to connect to an advertising system, and really increase their conversion or effectiveness of their advertisement, they can choose a CDP vendor that focuses on that area as well. It really depends on what kind of use case that you have and what kind of a system that you already have in place. So once you decide that, I think that could be a good starting point for large corporations, especially those in the listen stage. So it sounds to me like you have some examples around advertising or e-commerce personalization, especially based on your background. Are there any stories you can share about how you went through that process of you know, setting it up and launching that kind of system? Absolutely. So I used to work for a company called News America Marketing, which is one of the business unit for News Corp. So the challenge that they have was they already have a data system, but the way to utilize data from a maturity perspective, they were still in the listen stage. So they're not really data-driven. All of their data structure were product-focused. They're not consumer or customer-focused. Jimmy, can you elaborate for people, what does it mean when your data is product-focused versus when your data is customer-focused? Sure. So... From a technology standpoint, it is how you store the data, how you utilize the data, and how your system is set up. So it's basically designed to accommodate the product line, existing product line that you have. For example, for News Corp, News American Marketing, their product or their in-store product, um, their uh, printing product, and they have a totally separate digital channel. So all those data were siloed 
and they were stored in 20 different systems. Oh, wow. It's incredibly difficult to unify that data, to look at that data, to make sense of it. So that's what I'm saying. To change that, you not only have to bring all those data into an external system and try to make sense of it, you have to slowly evolve your fundamental or core system design to design for the customer-focused data structure. And so then the customer-focused data system, this is what you were saying before, I oftentimes think of it as like one record that has a very wide table with all sorts of detail about the customer. And that also, I think, is related to how your system or touch points interact with the customer, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to structure data with use cases in mind to really understand their journey. And is this what happened at News Corp? We were in the process of doing that, and we did a lot, actually did a lot of work. In the process of moving all of their data together, what were the big hurdles that, you know, would, would a CDP have solved that for them faster, or was it something they had to do internally because of the heavy lifting and the security requirements? Um, for a large corporation like them, they actually did have to go through a lot of internal processes. And what they end up doing is they built some internal data solution for the data repository. And they did utilize some other vendor for the uh, unification or identification to form the single customer view. But on top of that, they utilized a CDP-like vendor. At that time, it was not called CDP but more of a personalization vendor. So they utilize a vendor called Acquia. So Acquia will provide the personalization engine. It is also capable of generating that single customer view and apply those across different touch points that they have. Got it. That makes sense. I can see how that would be functional. Do you have another example of maybe a a different company that was moving in a different direction or maybe more of an e-commerce direction? Sure. The other example I can share is when I was working at L'Oreal, looking back, I think they were more in the learn stage. Mm -hmm. So they already have a data system in place. They are kind of data-driven. I would say they have very clear goal in mind in terms of what the use case is, what they want to do. So they end up adopting a personalization engine uh, called Rich and Relevance, right? Mm-hmm. So in today's world, I think there's a lot of buzzword about customer intelligent platform. So what that is, is really a customer profile and also intelligence engine that tells all of your system touch points what to do for which customer. So is everything a CDP would have, but with more advanced or customized algorithms. So you can test and learn different scenarios and really try to improve things like for the e-commerce business, improve their conversion rate. So it was very effective, actually. So it's not meant to be a replacement for a enterprise-level customer data system, but rather a bottom layer that provides that extra intelligence or that brain power to direct different channels to work in Unity. Now, that's an interesting concept about 
what is essentially, I think, becoming a, a new category, the CIP system, the customer intelligence system. And I just heard this the other day when I was asking another guest who was going to be on the podcast. And I said to her, you know, we're getting ready to do this CDP episode. And what do you think of the CDP that you're using? And she surprised me because she came back and said, well, I don't think of this company as a CDP at all. I think of them as more of an intelligence platform. So I think we are seeing some companies, particularly in the smaller, fast growing space, using one system to knit the data together and another system to tell them what to do. Yep, that's exactly right. And actually, I should extend that a little bit to say, not just tell them what to do, but um, as you said, activate on that knowledge, be able to pipe it into different places. Yep. Data activation is, is really important. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a big believer of use the right tool for the right purpose. You know, a tool that was built to track analytics is not the same as a tool that was built to manage content, for example. And in this scenario, is there really a hard divide between CDPs that are coming at it from an engineering perspective versus CDPs that are coming at it from more of a use case uh, or maybe an intelligence perspective? The way I look at it, I don't think in the CDP space there will be a one-size-fits-all player such as, let's say, Salesforce. Mm -hmm. You really have to look at the different flavors that they provide and um, whether that satisfies the need of your company. So I almost think that for a company to choose a CDP solution, they need to look at their use case, number one, and also to determine what kind of flavors they want. Treat it like a separate system. Don't be confused by the buzzword of CDP. Look at what it actually does and what you actually need. And I can't emphasize that part about buzzwords enough. I was literally on a call the other day with a company that I didn't think was a CDP at all. And suddenly the word CDP came out of their mouth, along with a raft of buzzwords. And I'm pretty good about understanding what's signal and what's noise. But even I was having a hard time parsing out all of the the hype. There was so much hype. And I think this is indicative of the fact that I think it was almost $600 million that's been invested in the CDP space, but the sales figures are something like not even cracking $100 million. So there's a lot of pressure on this space to get sales. And I think we're starting to see that in the pitches. Definitely. And that's also why you see that the majority of the CP sales happen in the small to mid-sized company, but not in the large company category. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, to your point before, CDPs probably are well suited for small to mid-sized companies. And, you know, would we define that as maybe 200 million and smaller? Is that about the right range? Yes, I would say it's, sometimes it's hard to categorize mm. by the number of sales. Depends on you know what kind of a product you sell, right? But I would say sales is a good measure. But you have to look at the resource that you have, and also the maturity, the culture of a company. Are you really data driven, right? Do you have the resource? Even if you have the tools, do you have people to use it? And when I talk about the culture, I'm really talking about the data-driven mindset and the behavior of, let's say, continuously improvement, uh, test and learn, those things. So those things will actually decide if you're ready for the advanced capabilities the CDP or CIP system will provide you. 
Oh, that's an excellent point. And that, that gets right back to the maturity curve of basically, if you're not in the learning stage, if you're in the listening stage, then really you just need something to knit it together. You don't need the hottest personalization system out there. But if you're in the learning stage, then you really do need some more intelligence and horsepower to drive those systems for you. Uh, that makes perfect sense. That's right. A lot of companies come in and they want to know the ROI on a system. And, you know, any salesperson will tell you, oh, we get this kind of ROI or that kind of ROI. Uh, how should people think about getting uh, some measurable result back from this particular tool? Yeah, <laughs> I, it's funny. I often tell my clients that. When a salesperson tells you that they can easily calculate the ROI for you, don't believe them. It's not <laughs> that straightforward. <laughs> so it really comes from the use cases that you're dealing with, right? And you really have to think about this before starting looking at the different data system or CDP providers. What will you use it for? Is it personalization, increased conversion rate, or different goals really have different KPIs to measure? So for example, for email, you know, it can be open rate, clear rate. For social engagement, you know, impressions. And, uh, you know, for website, it could be just the content, the unique vi visitors, the time they spend on the website, the actions taken. So ROI doesn't necessarily always miss sales, revenue. And there's no one single measurement that can tell you, okay, here's the ROI. Mm -hmm. So it's not in the traditional financial sense, I would say. So, for example, if you have a e-commerce channel, yes, you can calculate that ROI and tie it into numbers. Let's say personalization helped to increase conversion rate. So it is something that you can calculate, make assumption, and, and the result is sales lift. But when it comes to non-e-commerce business, there's no exact formula how you can do that. So when you talk about digital advertising, you know, how your campaign, your advertising campaign or, or all your content or social campaign that you did helps with the product launch. You have to look at the potential increase of awareness. And a lot of time is estimated based on quite a wide variety of data points. And based on that, you translate that into exposure measurement. And, you know, sometimes you have to rely on assumptions or rely on some uh, layering some of the external data from whether it's retailers or marketing research company to complete that ROI assessment. I would say it's just a, it really is a complex measure based on different goals that you have and different channels. At Valence, we actually do a lot of those work to help customers to really present the ROI and tell the story. Now, I'm going to assume that the time to figure out what you're going to do with ROI or how you're going to measure success is as you're evaluating vendors, not once you've brought it in the door. And it's not too late once you've brought it in the door. But in a way, that use case and how you measure the performance will also dictate the kind of tool you pick, right? That's right. And I would argue that that process should even happen before you look at the vendors, mm -hmm. right? So what use cases, what measurement, KPIs, that is something that when you have those information, it will help you much better to select the corresponding vendor. 
Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'm going to argue that that probably sounds like the first thing you should do when we think about, you know, okay, great, uh, I want to get a CDP, what should I do first, second, third? And it sounds like you just answered that as the first step is the use case. What are you going to do with it? Do you have the resources to actually, I, I often say, stick the landing? You know, if you bring it in house, can people actually take action on the things that are coming through? That use case is the number one most critical piece, yes? That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. So what else should people be thinking about as they try to figure out the right CDP for them? So I would really look at what kind of company are you? Are you a data-driven organization or aspiring to be one? Uh, how about management support? Does the management understand the importance of data? And do you have the resource, the budget to support that vision? Also important, a lot of people tend to ignore that. They think, okay, a CDP vendor can help me to integrate with all of my data. But that really depends. So it depends on what stage are you technically. So what are the existing application, the system, the processes that you already have in place? And whether those things will work nicely with a CDP vendor that you have chosen. There's usually a lot of nuances, a lot of nitty-gritty details that need to be considered before you can make the purchase decision. Can you use that same kind of framing to understand what if I've made a mistake? How do I know if I've screwed up? <laughs> I think one of the things that you want to do is really do a audit first or assessment. Mm. List all those factors and ask the CDP vendors, whether that's engineering team or pre-sale team, to give you a plan and do a POC kind of thing. Mm. Or, you know, hiring an external agency that can help you to go through that process. I think it is a very important homework before you make a significant investment mm -hmm. in CDP. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And so along those lines of, you know, getting support for something like this, how can people reach you if they want to get in touch and, you know, they want to bounce off different CDP ideas or understand more specifics about a CDP that they might be using? How should they contact you? Sure. Uh, they can call Valence directly uh, through our website or LinkedIn is definitely a good way to contact me. So after the podcast, I'll put up my uh, contact information and email address there. Okay, so we'll include that in the show notes and make sure people have the ability to reach out and get in touch. So as always, links to everything we discussed, including Jimmy's contact information and some of this framework will be translated on the ambitiondata.com slash podcast page. Jimmy, thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And hopefully our audience will also enjoy the discussion. Yeah, it's been very helpful for me as I look at this vendor soup in the space and try to sort it out. So very valuable. Thank you. And remember, everyone, when you use your data effectively, you can build customer equity. It is not magic. It's just a very specific journey that you can follow to get results. Thank you for joining today's show. This is your host, Allison Hartzell, and I have two gifts for you. First, I've written a guide for the customer-centric CMO, which contains some of the best ideas from this podcast, and you can receive it right now. Simply text AMBITIONDATA, one word, to 31996, 
And after you get that white paper, you'll have the option for the second gift, which is to receive the signal. Once a month, I put together a list of three to five things I've seen that represent customer equity signal, not noise. And believe me, there's a lot of noise out there. Things I include could be smart tools I've run across, articles I've shared, cool statistics, or people and companies I think are making amazing progress as they build customer equity. I hope you enjoy the CMO guide and the signal. See you next week on the Customer Equity Accelerator.